I am so excited to be partnering up with Gorillas again this season. The original sexy grocery delivery app is revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in minutes, catering to all your food needs. Operating in nine countries around the world, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favorite brands to your door. Run out of wine during the dinner party? Gorillas can sort that. Run out of eggs for your Sunday morning pancakes? Gorillas can also sort that. Don't believe me when I say how great they are? Then download their app and get £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Use the code SEXY10 at checkout and thank me later. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by the real deal, Mr. Martin Kemp. Some of you may know him from the hugely successful band Spando Ballet, whose music hit the top 20 numerous times throughout the 80s, as well as top 10 in the US with their most well-known song, True. Some may also know him as Steve Owen, the infamous character on EastEnders. I know him from both. Martin has had a showbiz career that has spanned over four decades and he's showing no signs of slowing down. In recent times, he's hosted Martin and Roman's Weekend Best with his son, the presenter Roman Kemp, and he can be caught singing the sweet sounds of jazz with his wife, Shirley, a singer from another hugely well-known band, Wham. Martin, what haven't you done? Have you even had time to eat? I don't, I <laughs> Welcome don't know. to Crazy Sexy but when, Food. When you were going through all of that, I was thinking, is that me? Uh, when did I get time to get through all of that? But That's you what do. all my guests say. They say, yeah. is that you talking about? Yeah, you do. You know, you... I love being in this business because you never quite know what's coming around the corner, what the next offer is on the email, you know, who you're going to be talking to next. And and I absolutely love it about this. You know, I think you have to reach a certain point in entertainment before that starts to happen, you know, Um, because a lot of people will tell you how much they hate it because they're waiting for the next thing to come through. But if you reach, a, uh, you know, after... You know, like you said, you said 40 years. I've actually been in the business 50 years. Oh, God. well, there we well, go. That was my no, research. No, because, stuff. no because, because I was a child actor as well. You know, I started off yeah. as, um, uh, with Anna Scher in Islington, doing all those 1970s play for todays and comedy playhouses and all of that stuff. So if you count that as well, that's 50 years. But, you know, I think once you've been in a business that long and offers start to come through on a regular basis... Uh, it's a wonderful business to be in because you never know what's coming through next, which Absolutely. is lovely. And we are going to get to this uh, very colourful career that you have had in a bit. First of all, what did you have for breakfast today? Today, uh, if I can say it, Alpen. Uh, yeah? yeah, okay, nice. Alpen with no sugar. Okay, because, very healthy. Uh, because I'm on a little bit of a diet at the moment. <laughs> and I always find that Alpen gets me through the day. It gets me up till about three o'clock. Okay. Oh wow. Where okay. I, I don't have to eat. But what are you having it with? Nothing. I'll have with milk. Okay, fine. Just with okay, milk. but you're not like no fruit or no, yogurt. You just want no. it on its own. Yeah, because what I find is if I have a big breakfast, then it opens the doors to my hunger. 
Got you. And it will make me hungry all day. And if I have a big breakfast, but people say, oh, you should go out, I mean, you know, make sure we have a big breakfast and that will get rid of your hunger. It was an absolute yeah. reverse for me. That's interesting. If I have a big breakfast, the doors are open yeah. and I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> so so if I have, I find Alpen without any sugar in uh, is perfect for me. Great. Okay. I might take that on board, actually, because isn't the old school saying that you need to be a king for breakfast, a queen for lunch and a pauper for dinner? Yeah. That's what I meant. I think I was always taught that as a kid. But it, actually, it, I see what you say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a queen all day, <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Some people might take that the wrong way. I don't no, know. Well, no, that's <laughs> what Shirley says to me, you know. <laughs> So how have you been? How's life treating you? I feel like I'm finally starting to see people face to face for the first time in a very long time. I love uh, it. Yes. love it at the moment. It's the most exciting time to be alive at the moment, to be honest. I mean, we have been through two years of absolute boredom. You know, um, I was lucky, really lucky because I was working yeah. most of the couple of years doing the show with Roman, um, you know, the weekend show. And part of the reason that me and Ro took that you know, it was an early Sunday morning show, but part of the reason we took it was so we could see each other because it isn't about work. Missing work wasn't so much about the financial side of it that hit everyone so hard. It was the social side of it as well, which I think just was awful to not have that moment when you can come home from work and you tell your wife or your husband what you've been doing during the day. You don't have the funny anecdotes of what people have said to you. You'd miss all of that. That's why, you know, I cannot see the work from home thing lasting forever because what will it do to people's social side? I couldn't agree more. And also, I just think that sort of on both sides of it, I think we're human beings are sociable yeah. beings. Yeah. We need to be in contact with people, even small things like not hugging people for mm. two years, I found weird. Yeah. Having that sort of touch. Yeah. And then also on the flip side, it's also not normal to be with your spouse or your children for 24 hours a day for two years. Yeah, that's what Shirley tells me. <laughs> Funny that. She's been telling me that for years. <laughs> she was telling you that before COVID even Yeah, <laughs> she was. She was. She's been trying to get rid of me for ages. There we go. So I want to take it back a bit. I want to talk a little bit about your childhood. You're yeah. born and raised in Islington. I want to know what life was like growing up. Um, but I also want to know what you were eating, who was cooking, was food important? Sort sure. of give me the whole picture. Uh, we, Gary and I were born in Islington, my brother and I, uh, with my mum and dad living in a tiny little council house, uh, terrace house, two up, two down. And um, uh, next door to a public house, that we used to go to bed at night with the strains of Knees Up Mother Brown and, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, the old piano rattling away in the oh, pub wow. and people singing. And I think that was our first musical experience that kind of came through the walls. And I always remember Gary's guitar that he had hanging on the wall in the bedroom would just vibrate all <laughs> night long until 11 o'clock. And I think they were the first musical sounds that we ever heard because my mum and dad... Never had the sort of money to buy, go out and buy records. I think their record collection was six yeah. or seven. Frank Sinatra and Johnny Ray. I think that was it. Uh, and so it really, it was super poor. We never had anything. Um, it, Islington was kind of just recovering from the Second World War almost. Gary and I were playing on bomb sites around mm. the town. But... I always, always remember the first time my mum and dad said they were going to take us to a restaurant. 
and and God bless them. They thought it was a restaurant, but it was actually a pie and mash shop with my nan. And uh, I remember it really well. I absolutely fell in love with it. And quite recently, we Gary and I did an interview for a magazine. We went back to the same um, pie and mash shop. And we oh, are so sitting in exactly there. the same seats. Oh, I love that. In exactly the same seats. And I can just see my mum and dad. And I can see my nan sitting there. And it was the same food. And it was the same liquor. And it was absolutely a wonderful experience. But that, for me, was the first restaurant experience in, of, in, yeah. in, in brackets yeah. <laughs> that uh, I ever experienced and um, you know I fell in love with that and so who was cooking at home most of the time uh, my mum would always cook um, but there were several times you know like I said we, we were super poor back then we never had anything and um, uh, my mum would always cook and a couple of times I remember that she couldn't afford the meat to go with the meat and two veg and she would be crying in in the kitchen i caught her crying a couple of times over that <clears throat> because back then it was purely meat and two veg mm. that's what you had mm. every night whether mm. it was mincemeat or whether it was um lamb or you know or whatever you could afford that day sausages it was meat and two veg so give me a couple examples of dishes that you do remember um uh, a shepherd's pie that my mum would make my mum would make um you know sausages and mash but it would always be carb filled mm. always to try and get you through the day you know mm. so as you um corrected me during the uh, intro <laughs> I, no and, I and never rightly so you, no no I no but i actually was i did i did know i just i guess my maths wasn't my um, oh, listen, my, my, my my high point at school but you were acting from a young age and yeah. um we're going to sort of summarize it but you then sort of from the acting you got a job in a print factory yeah. uh, before joining the band yeah. Spando Valley which were also called Gentry beforehand Gentry right? <clears throat> when i first joined them they were called Gentry but you've got to understand, this band was called The Makers first, and it was my brother's school band. God. So he was like one of those school bands that played in the school music room, went out to play um, um, small pubs and clubs in front of 50 of their friends. That's that sort of band. Mm. But I was the roadie, right? I would carry <laughs> the equipment for them, and I would get it out of the flight cases and the, out of the guitar cases and I would put it on the stage and I would stand back and I would watch them play and every night I would go to bed at night dreaming and hoping and praying that something terrible was going to happen to one of them so that I could stand in because that was so my dream so you did want to so you did actually want to be a part of it it, it wasn't was a matter dream. of you being asked to get no to... it was ah. my dream to be in that band right. and uh, but in the meantime I was I had my own band called the Defects, that was a punk band that uh, I learnt to play three chords on a guitar. And um, so that when uh, Gary's band asked me to join, uh, the, the manager, Steve Dagger, Gary didn't want me to be in the band. But <laughs> he didn't because, you know, he's yeah. like, uh, an elder brother. Yeah, he didn't want his younger brother following him around. Yeah. So anyway, Steve Dagger, the manager, asked me to be in the band. And he said to me, you've got like... Uh, three months to learn how to play 14 songs. But it, I wanted it so much that I just dug in and learned to play the bass. And, and that was it. And the rest is history. <clears throat> yeah. And I think what's so wonderful about 
your career and sort of looking back on it is that you've really bridged the gap between sort of the acting side Mm. and the music side. And I wondered, is there one that you prefer? Is there one that maybe is a bit more rewarding? Not really. I actually see it all as one big bubble called entertainment. And I think we lose a little bit in this country because because I think, I don't know, maybe it's because jobs are harder to come by, you know, that we like to pigeonhole people a little Mm. bit more and don't let them out of that pigeonhole. Uh, Whether you're a musician or whether you're an actor or or whatever you do, you're not allowed to go from one to the other. But I like to see myself in a big bubble called entertainment. And that big bubble basically has been my hobby since I was eight years old uh, when I first went to Anisha's drama school for, for kids. And and I'm lucky enough to be 60 now and still do my hobby. And so when you were a child, what was it about acting that you just wanted... I assume that was what you wanted to do with your uh, life. Well, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. My mum and dad put me... See, we, we were really lucky. Across the road from where we lived um, in Islington, there was this big block of flats and in the middle there was this community hall you know that was used for for, for weddings and wakes and all that sort every of stuff. kind of yeah. possible and uh, but a, a young lady at the time called Anna Scher opened it up as a drama club for kids wow. and uh, before you knew it you I had uh, BBC and ITV uh, guys were coming down and whoever wanted a Cockney kid in, in their TV show would come to Anna Schur's drama school. Mm. And, um, you know, it was a club. It was two nights a week, 10 a lesson. Uh, and my mum actually put me there to get rid of my shyness because I was the shyest little boy that you can ever imagine. You know, I was one of those little kids that if I saw a friend across the other side of the road on my way home from school, holding my mum's hand, I would bury my face into my mum's buttock no. to get to get out of his gaze. Do you know what I mean? That's, that do you know what, Martin? I have hotness. to say, I was the same child. Really? And interestingly, I, I did do a bit of acting classes, but yeah. my mum sent me to elocution lessons right. to, to learn how to... It was a bit like public speaking or like poetry yes. reading, but that completely got me out my shell. Same thing. That's so I totally identify. Look at us now. And look at us. Here we go. <laughs> talking for England. <laughs> but it does. It does work. Yeah. yeah. It really does. Yeah. And, and I think it, it gives you that inherent confidence to kind of be able to not even necessarily be amongst other people, but just within yourself. Yeah. I, I always said it, you know, even uh, if you've got a shy kid, your parent, you've got a shy kid and... Uh, it will help not turn them into an actor, but it would yeah. help with life. Because, Completely. you know, even going up for a, a job interview for a bank or where, or mm. any kind of thing, um, it will help with totally. that. Totally. Because you will, that kid will, your kid will learn how to look someone in the eye and be confident. Mm. <clears throat> Speaking of the acting, um, your time in EastEnders, in my opinion, was probably the most prolific. And that was at a time when I was like the biggest EastEnders fan. No offence to anyone who is in EastEnders or watches EastEnders now. <laughs> I, don't wa- I don't watch it anymore. But this was sort of around 98. Yeah. Um, and at this point, you had already done the craze with yeah. your brother. What was it like being on Albert Square? Well, it was amazing for me. Uh, and I will, uh, I'll tell you why, because... You know, you've got to put it into perspective. For me, going into EastEnders, 
in which was about 2000, right? 1999, I think I went in the first. In 1995 was the three-year block when I was suffering from the brain tumour period, when my world came crashing down. And I had, I had to have three or four years that were recovery. Um, and so EastEnders, for me, was the first step after that. And when I took that gig on, EastEnders and Steve Owen, I didn't even know if I could remember lines because mm. my brain was all over the place. Uh, to the point where if I was at home and I wanted to walk left, I would walk right. And I will, if I wanted to walk over, you know, down a passageway, I would walk into the hall. And I could not put it together. And so EastEnders came along <clears throat> at a point in my life that I need, needed something to give me stability, not just to get me back acting again, but to get me back into real life. And I was absolutely shocked. I was on the floor when EastEnders came along. My confidence has gone. My, my world had been torn apart by the last mm -hmm. previous four years. Mm -hmm. And the character of Steve Owen, what he did for me is untold because he was this kind of like brash, confident, super charismatic character that I kind of like lived inside mm -hmm. for the first year, year or so and just draining him of his confidence and trying to get back on my feet. Uh, and which I will always, always be grateful to EastEnders and that character because that's what it did. Um, it got rid of my, it got rid of my shyness and getting back into real life. It, it gave, it gave me my feet again, you know. So, um, uh, you know, I look back on EastEnders uh, and winning all those ridiculous awards that you Rightly get. Rightly so. You know, Rightly so. But all, you know, all of that stuff. But I, I look back on that as as being so grateful that they gave me the chance to get back on my feet. And touching on uh, <clears throat> sort of that period of your life that you went yeah. through, you know, that is, as you're explaining, a totally life-changing mm. experience and a scary experience. Yeah. In your recovery, did food play any part in that? Uh, yeah, I was addicted to bounties. <laughs> That's all Sorry, I could eat. I don't know what I'm laughing. No, I, I get, that's all I could eat. It was bounty bars. And even today, if I eat one today, it's like it's food from the gods because I know what it meant Stop to me I mean, for, I over that period. Um, because, you listen, I was I was in a car crash. That's yeah. basically how I look at it. Yeah. And uh, I came out the other side and I, I, I couldn't see. I couldn't walk. I couldn't. I had to rebuild my life over that four-year period. I couldn't eat anything, you know. So um, food disappeared. And the only thing that I would look forward to is a bounty uh, in the evening to, like, take me away. It's the kind I of chocolate vibe. what it vibe. was about the bounty. Chocolate. It's absolutely but, chocolate. Like, because bounty, me I mean, that's a very... I know most people I know hate a bounty bar. Yeah. I think I'm the only one that I know yeah. who loves it because I think... I mean, I like the little bits of coconut that sort yeah. of get stuck in my teeth and I sort well, of see, like nibble on them. There you go. You can taste the bounty longer yeah. because it gets stuck in your teeth. That's interesting. But, but I don't know. It's just something, even today, if I eat a bounty bar, it just takes me bit. back there into the comfort that I got from it. Mm. And um, it's it was strange. But during that period, uh, you know, I was not worried about food at no. all, apart from that. Yeah. Taking it back to the band for a bit. So, you know, Spando Ballet, obviously, I think 
everyone knows who you guys yeah. are. You know, this was during the new romantic era of the 80s. Talk to me about the industry then. Talk to me about life then. Was it as crazy, wild, fabulous in the as band. it looks? Yeah, it was It was ridiculous, to be honest, because uh, for me, I'll tell you my side of it, was that I signed a record deal with Spandau on my 18th birthday. And about two months later, we were number five in the charts, selling half a million records with to cut a long story short first single so we went from nothing to everything really quickly and having a hit record meant that you were the record company was starting to promote you in europe mm. and flying us around on little lear jets and little planes feeling like we were gods and every time you landed in a different country you got taken to the best restaurant they had and that's part of the promotional deal. You know, it's what record companies used to do back then. There was no budget because bands were spelling, selling tons and tons of records. So they took you to the best restaurants in every country that you landed in. And um, I was completely spoiled, mm -hmm. completely spoiled for the first 10 years, those 10 years that I was in the band, completely spoiled with the best restaurants around Europe. I mean, speaking of food, can you remember any sort of like countries in particular that stand out whilst you were on tour? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember going to La Coupole in Paris, which was, I still think today, is Fabulous. one of my favourite restaurants. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> La Coupole is kind of rough and ready, you know, but it's, uh, for me, that's one of my favourite restaurants in the world. Um, but obviously, the home of food is Italy. And we spent months months touring Italy and promoting in Italy and there were absolutely wonderful food experiences there uh, one restaurant that I would never forget was Sabatini's in Rome and it was this old fellow who used to be this opera star oh. opened this restaurant up and um, uh, he used to come out halfway through and it, or even like the best restaurants in Italy are kind of family orientated uh, and so they like having a little bit of a sing song, and you know, they, it was Got so the And he used to come out, Sabatini used to come out and he sing to everybody. And um, the food is just wonderful, you know. I mean, if you ask me the difference between the food in Milan, which is more kind of refined, to the food in Rome, which is a little bit more rough and ready, yeah. and then you get down to Sicily, and it's kind of like farmerish kind mm -hmm. of um, food. And uh, but Wherever we went in Italy, that was the temple of food. It was, you knew when you sat down at a white tablecloth in Italy, it you was going to be, gonna be looked after. delicious. Yeah. yeah. And what was it like working with your brother? Uh, it was, it was great. I mean, I look back now and I think how lucky we were, you know, because how many brothers get to tour the world with each other and, and uh, given that ticket of, um, playing out the life of rock stars yeah. when you're that age. You Absolutely. Know. Um, together, how many get to do it? Gary and I were also, we had such a great time, but we were also kind of like the the pressure cooker for the band. So when things were going kind of wrong and there were we were tired or we've been travelling too long, and the pressure's got to build up to a point where there's going to be an argument somewhere. But to save our arguments between... Uh, friends, like if the other boys were out arguing with with each other, they wouldn't forget about it. Mm. But Gary and I would go into a room, have 
pretty much have full-on fistfight and then come out and forgotten about it because we're brothers because we've been doing and that, that all our life that is the beauty of siblings because yes. you, you just and you just switch like that yeah and everything's fine yeah and i would switch like that gary and i both said it we switch like that walk out the door and you could feel the atmosphere that you'd created because it was so tense because you'd left it behind in the room yeah. so it was i think it was one of the reasons that kept spandau together for 10 years mm. I, oh, I love do you know, I kind of actually love that because I get it. And that actually brings me on to my next question, which was, aside from your brother, even into your later life, you sort of worked with all of your family. Yeah. You know, yeah. You obviously, you've done things <clears throat> with Roman. Yeah. You're doing things with Shirley and very similar to my family. You yeah. know, it's it becomes <clears throat> like a bit of a family sort of dynasty or something. Yeah. And I love that. I know. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, at one point, we didn't have a diary in the house. We had a whiteboard, you know, up at the door oh, where God. people were and what they're doing. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. So I ha I've had to do, like, um, calendars on phones, yeah. like the family calendar, because the yeah. amount of times people are booking this, that. Yeah. And that's so funny. Yeah, but it's been wonderful, you know. I mean, I love working with... You know, my daughter is in production as well. She does TV adverts. Oh, wow. And... Um, so I worked together a lot with her and um, uh, Roman I worked together all the time and my brother I don't know Shirley it's, it's lovely why not you know why not but I just think it's very <clears throat> unique like you know even the the close proximity that I sometimes work with my family I realize a lot of my friends don't share that kind of experience because yeah. you know some people have careers and jobs that are so yeah polar opposites well lots of kids as well who grow up in a famous family mm. want to kind of change their name and go completely different no i don't want anything to do mm. with that and uh where roman and harley have both embraced it and in the same way that i would embrace it you yeah. know that we're proud of each other absolutely and um it's been nice how it's worked out Speaking of your son, Roman, um, he's a huge, massive advocate for speaking about mental health. Yeah. And that's something that I'm hugely, hugely interested yeah. in. And I'm also sort of bringing it to the food. I'm really interested in the link between food and mental health. Yeah. And I wondered if you sort of, I say look after yourself, but, you know, you said earlier that you're sort of on a bit of a diet or whatever. Yeah. I mean, do you find that food is a massive part of the way that you feel. Absolutely. Whenever <clears throat> you go through a period where you feel down, you turn to food. That's what I find. And um, But there's certain foods that I know make me feel better. You know, carbs make me feel better. You know, if, I, if I'm just going to eat protein, now I know that makes me feel rough. But carbs always give you that kind of satisfying, uh, I can get through the day. Yeah. Feel, even though you know you shouldn't eat too many mm, mm. but uh i think there is a link you know into what can make you feel better oh absolutely i mean i honestly think that <clears throat> everything starts from our stomach yeah and it's also on the flip side of what you just said i know there are certain foods for me anyway that i eat and i'm like i'm gonna feel like absolute crap after this yeah but it tasted great but it might not feel too good afterwards yeah. but you know it is see, what it is see last i absolutely love a grapefruit absolutely love oh, it me too but it gives me itchy ears. What? Itchy ears. Now, I, I know. I know it sounds weird. But it gives it's, me itchy ears. It's an allergy of some kind. I don't know, but why in my ears? 
Oh my god, I need to investigate Deep this. Deep inside my ears. Stop it. They feel itchy. Oh my gosh. And no other citrus fruits do that. Uh, sometimes an orange, but only sometimes. We might be onto some. Okay. Yeah, but Ooh. grapefruit. Straight away. Gosh. Gives you a numb tongue and itchy ears. Okay, that might that might be an allergy of some kind. <laughs> Right, he's I still quite, doing it anyway. I quite enjoy it. Though, yeah, well, you know, then there we you go. Because you can't it's get like... to scratch it. It's like, it's like that mosquito bite. <laughs> I know that, that, you, yes. you start to rub and then you can't finish it. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, can you cook? Oh, no, I'm rubbish at cooking. Are you? Yeah, Shirley cooks a lot in our house. Uh, and she's really good at it. And, uh, and she really enjoys it. And, you know, listen, if Shirley didn't enjoy it, I would be up there cooking or doing more but Shirley really enjoys it and she's a great cook I'm I'm all right if I'm cooking something fast if I'm putting pasta in the pan fine. with some sauce and you know we want to do something like that then I'm fine you know uh, my concentration on cooking isn't that great did you see did you see me on um, the bake-off yes I did yeah. <laughs> well when I put the when I actually cooked the cream I mean, how, who does that? I, can't, I was waiting for you to bring it up. Who does that? <laughs> I mean, no, because I will tell you what happened there. Because in that studio they have, in the tent, the pressure is enormous. Mm -mm. And the camera's coming around you. And you know when you've made a mistake, when the camera's come yeah. over, right? You know that you can, yeah. they can see from a mile off. Uh, yeah. And I'd already messed up on a batch of cakes. And, and there were only fairy cakes, right? I already me messed up on a batch of them. And so I thought I'd make some more. So I've got two mixtures in front of me. I've got the fairy cake mixture and I've got the uh, the buttercream mixture on the other side. I got them mixed up and I put the buttercream in the oven and cooked it. Okay. And all of a sudden I can feel the cameras coming around and I'm looking. I'm At first I'm thinking, hey, I've done this really yeah, well. Yeah. Looked in the oven, absolute nightmare. Disaster. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> but uh, listen, I was, uh, it was fun. So what are some of her specialities? What do you love that she makes? Shirley. Mm. Shirley is all sorts. You know, she's she's great with Italian. She cooks an amazing Indian food. She um, her roast dinner is superb. She she's just wonderful. She's a great all rounder. She's a great all round cook. Yeah. And when you do find yourself out and about, where are some of your favourite restaurants to go to? Um, my favourite restaurant at the moment see i'm not a very manly man when it comes to restaurants i don't like the old kind of leather and uh wooded walls yeah. you know <laughs> unlike um i like pretty restaurants okay um so my favorite restaurants at restaurant at the moment is the ivy garden in the king's road have you been oh, there yeah. oh my god out Beautiful. the back yeah. in the garden Beautiful. on a summer's day yeah. it is the spitting image of the Beverly Hills Hotel, you know where I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking the about. The Beverly Hills yep. Hotel in the middle, yep. you know that restaurant? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the Ivy Garden is beyond. Yeah. Beyond. Uh, they have the fireplace in the garden, mm -hmm. in the conservatory area. And I was with there with a, I was there with a friend just uh, the other night, and it's gobsmackingly beautiful. Yeah. Gobsmacking. I actually, you know, I, I I agree with you on that. I think, and I always speak to guests <clears throat> about this, is that 
for me, obviously, food is the food is important when you're going out. But I also think it's the atmosphere, it's the oh, company, yeah. Yeah. it's the service, it's it's everything coming together as yeah. this sort of theatre production, so to speak. Absolutely, is it's about you know I always get jealous of taking Shirley somewhere because if like we always tend to go for the corner tables yeah. right to get out the way yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and Shirley will always sit looking out into the restaurant That's what I do yeah you know that and like, I, will I don't sit like having looking in right why is that though because you don't want to make well, no because house... yeah because you don't want people to recognize you right. and see you obviously so I don't have that problem but I'm the opposite I yeah. hate having my back to the to of a room looking because out I like the to see seat. what's going on I like to see who's coming in yeah. I'm like a little like I don't know what I do. am. Yeah. But but that's great, you know, and Shirley ends up looking out and I always look in, oh, that's end up so looking funny. in. But during the meal, you know, I'm always yeah. like looking around, making sure where I am. But but if anybody listening to this, you get a chance, Ivy Garden restaurant in yeah. King's Road, absolutely it's a dream. And I think as the weather starts to turn, hopefully in a month or so, it's gonna be yeah. fabulous it's out there. So I finish my chats with a few quick fire questions. Great. So this podcast is sponsored by Gorillas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. If you were stuck at home mm. and you needed to order three items on Gorillas, what would be your three top items? It would be pizza. It would be uh, it would be Indian, <laughs> and it would be Thai. I love that. I love, I, what I love is that you're not like buying like action ingredients. You're wanting oh, like, yeah. you just want everything. Oh yeah. no, because if I'm at home yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and not I'm going to get cook. something delivered. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not like Roman. Roman tells me a story the other day when he paid £12 for an onion. What? He, he was cooking. <laughs> he was cooking and he realised he never had an onion. So he ended up, listen, I'm not saying it's on gorillas, right? I'm just saying... <laughs> He ended up paying 12 quid for an onion. Flipping so, out. So, <laughs> so I'm not like that. If I'm going to bring food in, I'm yeah. going to bring food in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 I like that. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Uh, easily when I first went to Japan and I was with the band. And I said earlier, you know, I was completely spoiled, you know, experiencing world food at mm. such a young age. Uh, and I remember sitting in a sushi bar, right, that's on the street, you know, those, you know, the freezer bars yeah. that they had back then. Sushi was quite new at the time. Mm. And uh, I'm sitting at the bar and in the little cold storage bit, I could see something moving. And it was kind of like this giant mollusk that had yeah. just been put in there. And it was still moving. And so being like young and wanting to try everything, I said, I'll have a piece of that. So the guy gets it out and he chops it. He chops the end off, puts it on some sushi rice and gives it to me. And it's still moving oh on gosh. top of my rice. Wow. And and I ate it. Nice. It was all right, actually. It was quite nice. So kind of like, was it a bit yeah. sort of like, like a mussel kind of, or an oyster? Well, that yeah, sort it was of kind thing? of like muscly. Yeah. A bit more like um, a conch. Right, yeah. You know, the conch uh, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yes. in the Caribbean? Yes. A little bit yes. like that. Okay. The soft part of a conch. I bet that was quite nice, actually. But it was, but I don't think I'd do it nowadays. No. But uh, when he put it on my rice and it was still wiggling around, it was like, I think it was just kind of, you know when the nerves, nerve yeah. endings still make it move? Oh, do my God. Do you like God. oysters? 
uh, yeah, yeah, and the right surroundings. I think it's, oysters are more to do with the surroundings yeah, that you're that's in. that's true. I mean, you're like, going to eat it somewhere, you know. Yeah, if I'm in dodgy. Paris and, yes. um, like, it's the same with the malls, you know. Yeah. If I'm in Paris, uh, I'll eat that sort of thing. It's about the surroundings that I'm in. Because really, when I eat oysters, what I'm tasting is, <clears throat> is Tabasco. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know? I mean the amount and that and that lovely shallot vinegar. Yeah, I'm, I'm dousing that. it in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm no, that. I agree. I agree. What's been your most memorable meal? Um, I would say it has to be what I spoke about earlier is the pie and mash that I used to eat in Chapel Street Market when I was a kid. Uh, it was on Chapel Street. Chapel Street. So it's still there. Uh, oh, you got me now. I don't know. It's been a while since oh, I've been down Chapel okay. Street. Okay, uh, but. I recently went, when I say recently, it was kind of like a year ago. Okay. <clears throat> and, uh, but it has to be that. My meals that I used to eat with my mum and dad taking me out for a special day in Chapel Street, pie and mash. If I have pie and mash now, it will take, transport me back to those early years. And um, which, you know, you'd give anything at my age at uh, that time again with your parents absolutely my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps what is your favorite flavor of crisps and why uh favorite flavor uh, cheese and onion really yeah it feels tastes like i'm having something substantial like a sandwich <laughs> so but are we talking like a walkers or are we talking like walkers, a sort of walkers. one of these new sort of no, no, just a walkers, good old walkers. walkers cheese and onion I'm, I'm absolutely down with that okay. is that is for me Salt and vinegar always makes is a little bit sharp. Yeah. You know, I always feel like it's a bit of a test trying to eat it. Getting the first one down. Makes your tongue kind of like see, grease I, up. See, I quite like that. It gives you, you ulcers and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, but cheese and onion makes me feel like I'm eating something a little bit more substantial. Yeah, okay. What food <clears throat> sums up happiness for you? Chocolate. By a long shot. Bounty. Yeah, bounty. <laughs> But chocolate in general, yeah. you know, if I was such, I am still a chocolate complete addict. And every time you finish your meal, you feel like you need that little bit of sugar because, you know, you, you're, the, the food you've just eaten takes about 15, 20 minutes for it to digest properly before it produces the sugars mm -hmm. that your body mm -hmm. is craving for mm -hmm. after you've eaten. So what do you first go for? You go for you go for chocolate. Absolutely. And uh, if I can't get chocolate, I will go even go around to my local garage to buy it if I haven't got it yeah. in the house. And uh, but I, you know what I do nowadays? If I have my meal and I get that craving, I will drink a kind of weak cup of hot chocolate. That's to a good get idea. over that's just, it. That's a good idea. Yeah, rather than But you know what, Martin, actually, else. they have said that if you, if especially if it's like good quality, like dark chocolate, yeah. if you, just a couple uh, squares of that every day is actually fine. A couple of squares. Right. A couple of squares. He wants a full bar. A chocolate. How do you eat a couple of squares? <laughs> I, I don't know about So this. what's your chocolate of choice? If you like, just, what's your favourite? Uh, Yorkie. Yorkie bar, Yorkie chocolate tools. Remember those chocolate tools? When no. Yeah, you've never had a chocolate. What's a chocolate tool? tool? Oh, really sweet. It's almost like eating cooking chocolate. Oh God! Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but a bar of whole nut would do me yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love, I, do you know what I weirdly like? Um, yeah. Is uh, the chocolate buttons. Oh, Because I like yeah. melting them on my mouth. <clears throat> I yeah. love Galaxy because that is just so sweet. Yeah. It's actually like, yeah. it's kind of edging on illegal. Caramac? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that is sweet. I like Dime Bars. Dime, oh my God, now you're going to oh. you know, pull your teeth out of time. <laughs> Final question. Live to eat or eat to live? Um, live to eat. Yeah. Life is too good. You know, life's... And life is too short. Life is so much fun when yeah. you look at it. You know, we get, we're given such a short time on this planet that uh, you've got to try and make the most of it. And um, food is a byproduct that we are lucky enough to, to get into. And it's there for enjoyment. What a perfect way to end on. Martin, thank you so much for coming pleasure. over and joining me. <clears throat> I wish you all the best for the future. Um, and I hope one day I can come and join you um, in your swimming pool one day. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow Martin on social media at Martin J. Kemp. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.